Bourbon and Brown Town is an affiliate podcast of Soapbox Production and Organizing that pairs critical analyses of media, culture, politics, and everyday happenings with the tastiest of spirits. With the occasional help of Chicago's most talented and creative artists, activists, filmmakers, academics, and social entrepreneurs, Brownton unpacks current events, social issues, and gives personal insight into various topics. Soapbox is a film and social activism nonprofit that specializes in multimedia curation of creative projects centered around education, entertainment, and structural social change for a more equitable and creative world. So for this episode, sit back, sip something good, and enjoy. Every black American is bilingual. We speak street vernacular, and we speak job interviews. There's a certain way I gotta speak to have access. If I'm sitting across the table from a studio exec, you know, sometimes they'll do it to me. Say, my man, what's happening? I'm so hold up, hold up, no, 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 no. And, and I gotta, I gotta throw out them big words. I gotta let them know that my parents are probably smarter than your parents, but they may not have had the access. I want to welcome everyone to another installment of Bourbon and Brown Town. We are here again at Cards Against Humanity's studio. Shout out! I am your host. David of Brown Town, my boy Colin of Brown Town. Colin, man, dude, how you doing? What we drinking? Where we at? So many questions at once. First I'm, of all, I, I sound like you now. <laughs> first of all, I love how you talk like you're a mixtape DJ. I just, so I like, just feel it, you know. Much. It's your boy. It's your boy. It's your boy. Buddy. I mean, Damn, who are you? Code switching already. Code switching already. No, I'm just, I'm just fucking with you. Uh, hello, everybody. Uh, we're feeling good. We're feeling, feeling a little liquored up. It's our second recording of the day of the night, rather. Uh, feeling good, drinking some some Larceny. Mm. It's uh, very tasty. And I forgot your other questions. Now I know how it is to be on the receiving end. <laughs> speaking for 10 minutes and asking several questions to guests. Yeah. But um, uh, uh, we're feeling good. Yeah, we, yeah. Got our, we got our man's heavy crowns here. Heavy, what's Yo, going on? How we doing? What's good, man? What's good, brothers? Um, I'm feeling great. I cannot complain, man. Yeah. Thank you for having me here. It's so great that we have you back. So for everyone who doesn't know, uh, you got to go back a couple episodes, episode 25. Yes, uh, sir. Heavy Crowns was uh, one of our guests uh, when we participated with uh, DePaul's honors program mm-hmm. uh, as part of a speaking series. Uh, so it's a Shy DNA related episode. Heavy was there. Shout out to Jessica, who was also there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a lot of things that we ended up kind of like trailing at the end and that's kind of why we're bringing it back and so today here we're going to be talking about a very simple thing but you know you have to talk about it. it's code switching code switching code switching colin for anyone who doesn't know who lives under rock what the fuck is code switching oh man don't curve all at me <laughs> uh code switching is when an individual has to kind of switch up their their language and sometimes their demeanor even body language uh-huh. to survive in certain spaces uh, okay. typically speaking it's with marginalized folks or folks who aren't represented um, in the mainstream um, having to, again, do those things to uh, survive in a very real way, a very literal way, but also just um, get a job at a job interview. Succeed, or, uh, right? Succeed or yeah. just kind of blend in. And that's kind of the way you talk, that syntax, the words you use, that's how you talk, that's your tone. It's a lot of things uh, about it. And, you know, us being black and brown men in this room, we're kind of speak to our experience but it goes for beyond beyond that as well, mm-hmm. right? But that that's generally 
uh, code switching and how you kind of have to do it and how it's conscious and unconscious. Mm. Uh, you kind of look up and think about your th- what, you, what you're saying, how you're saying. You're like, man, I, I, I don't, that's that's me. And it's not, you know, it's always it's always you. It's always authentic, but it's always like you know. Yeah. And a lot of times you'll leave a room and you won't kind of realize how how you're doing it. Um, sometimes you will. Sometimes it's very intentional. I think everyone when they go to the job interview, they make sure they're speaking quote-unquote proper and we'll get into what that means how it's yeah. problematic but i think when you're black and brown and you know whatever it's 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 more of a you come in there with a certain expectation on you and you want to break that mold and that sometimes works against you at least has for me we'll get into all that i mean it works against all of us i guess <laughs> in, in some some way shape or form uh but uh heavy uh i kind of kind of want to start with you as as, as if, if people still don't know uh, give us a little bit of your background and give us a little bit about uh, about you, about <clears throat> why Heavy Crowns. What is Heavy Crowns? Well, um, Heavy Crowns here. I grew up in the uh, Inglewood community on the south side of Chicago, um, off 63rd Street, 63rd and Parnell to be exact. And um, I am an artist um, who is well versed in. Um, well versed. <laughs> Well versed in the studies of African American history and just uh, community building and um, all things love, you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And I like to say I'm a bit of a street savant. So, street savant. You know that's who I am. You know what I'm saying. And um, David and Colin think I'm kind of smart and can talk about a couple of things, so they bring me in to talk about stuff. <laughs> Much too humble, heavy. Much too humble. <laughs> No man, I work in education um, with black young men, and um, their experiences are so very valuable to me because um, I'm able to learn from them mm-hmm. and be able to be faced with a lot of uh, real, real problems, or real issues that a lot of people face every day that a lot of other people never think about. Mm-hmm. You know. And so uh, it helps my music a thousand times over. Yeah. And it's a big influence on, on why I do music. Yeah. So, yeah, the music in my work goes hand in hand so right now. Yeah. And so as, as on, on, on a personal level, you know, you there's a distinction between, you know, being an educator and then being an MC. How have you sort of traversed the world of co-switching or, or, or what are your experiences with them, you know? Um. How I'm able to do that code switch is basically because I um, I don't really do much code switching. Mm. Um, and why I'm able to do that is because working with the young men that I work with, I've learned that if I stay my most personal self, it relates to them much uh, greater and mm-hmm. deeper and for a longer lasting effect. Um, what I mean by that is I... They see they see the times where I'm speaking. And then we're gonna talk about this right properly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and things like that. And mm-hmm. I have to, I feel the need to show them how important it is to be able to do that. But most times when I'm talking to them, it's on a very comfortable, very um, lax dialect. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because I know that's what they mainly understand and feel and what resonates for them. So. Yeah, man, I talk like we on the block a lot. <laughs> if, uh, for lack of better terms. Yeah. Like we on the block. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'm thinking back about the uh, the Shy DNA episode 25 where we were talking, you and I were talking mainly at the end about mm-hmm. it. And uh, you mentioned your 
fiance, how she always talks proper, mm-hmm. appropriate. Um, and I was like, I was, I was getting turned. I was like, what does that mean? What does appropriate mean? What is that, <laughs> you know? Uh, and, and so I think we all know what like talking appropriately sounds like and yeah. how to enunciate <laughs> all of your words. And what words yeah. not to use? Yeah, uh-huh. what words not to use? Phoneme grave is probably not something you're going to say <laughs> at least in that vernacular, right? So I think we all know what like the yeah. proper. I think I'm going to say we all know. I don't just mean us in this room, but I think everyone knows what like what you know, quote unquote, proper and appropriate sounds like, and what words you're using, and what like the King's English. And I think you know we can get into class and race and all that. How it's you know not everyone uh, talks like that, but as being. Black and brown folks in this room, in the world, and traverse the spaces that we we, that we traverse, um, and with your your your, your fiance, just she gets on you about not mm-hmm. speaking that way all the time. Uh-huh. Tell me about that. Ex- I, I think there's things I can tease out from there, maybe. <clears throat> but tell me about that experience, just so, interpersonally, with like how that looks like with you guys talking. So she like gets on me like um, anytime that I'm on the phone with somebody that's like. Uh, a business call of any kind, right? And it's very subconscious. Like, as soon as I get on the phone, I... <laughs> like, dude, my English is so broken when I'm most comfortable and the way I talk is, like, so uh, un- unproper hand quotes um, most times when I'm talking. So when I get on the phone, I over I, I tend to overdo it, like, sometimes. <laughs> and so I'll be like... <laughs> Hi, hello, hi, 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 hello, hello, hi, how are you? Yes, yes, I'm doing good. Even before they even talk, like, <laughs> hi, hello, yes, hi, how are you? Yes, I'm doing good, yes. Um, yeah, so I have a parking ticket. So she's like, <laughs> so she'll be in the background, like, she'll be in the background, like, why do you have to talk like that? You don't have to talk. Ah, I hate when you on the phone. I'm like, what? And she was like, that's, you're doing more than just talking proper. And it's like, I'm just, I'm just trying to get this parking ticket. Yeah, I'm like, just trying to talk. Like eradicate. Yeah, yeah I'm, and I end up doing overdoing this sometimes. I, I'll admit because I, I just understand that if I, sad to say that if I talk in my most comfortable uh, dialect or tongue. Native tongue, uh, a lot will be lost in translation a lot of times. So I tend to end up overthinking, talking uh, unnecessarily proper, and, I'm, and I hate to keep using that term. And then my fiance will be like, ah, oh, no, you don't have to do all that. You don't have to do all that. I'm like, it's easy for you. It's easy for you because. Cause like, that's because of how she talks all the time. Yeah, right? like, like, I'm from. I'm from 63rd and Parnell. She's from 63rd and Stonewall and Donald's Grove. So, so for those who don't know, what, is that, what do those words mean? For those who aren't from Chicago who know. Right. So 63rd and Parnell is um, in a predominantly uh, African-American neighborhood, poverty stricken Inglewood. Um, and 63rd and Stonewall is uh, uh, slightly uh, diverse, but more so Caucasian suburb. Um, west of Chicago, and that's where she grew up. So, she's a all her life she's been around um, for the most part people that speak um, something closer to the King's English, as you said. Sure. Um, and so for her, enunciating and you know articulating speaking, sentences and articulating mm. sentences 
it comes way uh, more natural to her than it does for me. And mm-hmm. so when she says that, I'm like, okay, you got a point, but it's, it's easy for you to say that, you know? And so we have those little spaces. Yeah, that, oh, I don't know how, if I, my words are going to teach this out correctly, <laughs> but I, I hear that, and I, I, I think of conversations I've had with folks, either with white friends or things I've almost said to my women friends about, like, how to, like, why don't you fight back or why don't you do this to to fight back against whatever anecdotal example exercise some kind of oppression being said against you. And my best friend, this white dude, years ago, I was at the Trayvon, and he was like, yeah, like, you know, you should be able to, like, wear a hoodie in a white neighborhood and do what you want, woo-woo. Uh, and he, he, he self-checked himself. He's like, you should be able to do that, and I want to say that. But also he's like, oh, also you need to survive. So it's like to get home, you might not, you might have to, like, play the game to get home mm. and then – you know, you, you should be able to do that's whatever real, you want, man. but it's like, you, you know, play the game. And so this is like, not the same as Trayvon, you <laughs> <laughs> Beyonce talking, yeah. but it's the same yeah. thing as for, she's always hey, talked this way, right? And always like been in a race She way, just so. got on live. Yay, so. what's mm. good? She's on IG live. Y'all should check it out all the time. Um, but, you know, you know, and I don't want to judge too much, but I, I feel like when I've heard, she's always had that environment. So for her, you know, it's easy, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, oh, you like, you know, be you, do you, but you're like, I hear you. However, like yeah. I gotta get this parking ticket eradicated, so I have to put on. I have to play the game in order to survive. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's always like where. And I, I made I mentioned this example earlier. It's like me being like a man. It's like oh, like you know why? I only thought this, but I know this is in the narrative as far as like <laughs> maybe like oh, like fight back in sexual assault, or like fight, like why don't you say something, whatever. And it's like yeah, it's not that easy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I need to survive for the next day and like kind of call back to our our, our um, episode with, with Zoe Goodman about you know, fighting gender equity but um with that it's always kind of my mind and it's been in my mind more so lately because you know I, I was i was raised in middle class and i've always talked somewhat like this uh right i thought um, it was white when i first talked to him on the phone uh-huh. oh, oh, yeah. my white boys and he got a roommate you know what i mean but that's real but like, yeah no it's hey, real they're like, a sad note, I'm subleasing an apartment. So if y'all know anybody, <laughs> <laughs> hey, if anyone uh, we'll else we'll needs talk, a roommate, we'll talk. We'll we'll talk. Talk. Go, go, give me the plug. Get the plug. Get the plug. No, ahead. seriously though, um, um, I'm subleasing a room in the medical district of Chicago. Okay. Okay. So if you know you trying to get somewhere, I got a spot. Like yeah. <laughs> I tell me, tell me about that, David. You 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 talk talk to me about about. About what you just said, y'all first time about. On the phone? Oh, oh, do you know, we'll about. be on the phone, right? Because like, um, uh, where I was at, uh, I met, I met uh, Colin on Craigslist, and so I didn't meet him. Right, I, we emailed each other. He was the the only person to email me back, like literally that day. Like I think it was like a couple hours later, and he had his phone number. He's like, "Oh, let's call up. Cool." So I, I skate to the to his spot. And I'm calling. I'm like, "Oh, hey, you know, I think I'm outside." Bye, bye. And just from the way that I'm hearing him talk, um. Uh, you know, like just there yeah, goes so small as black dude. And, <laughs> and I'm like, hey, I'm looking for calling. He's like, yeah, I am calling. I was like, sup, dude. So I mean, like, you know, and that's that's another example, I guess. It's like, cause like in me, like I come from a background was like, you know, mainly Hispanics, right? And so like Spanglish is a thing, like very very easy. And so that we that's not anything I ever really had to think about until I started going with other spaces with other Hispanic or Latino people who didn't know Spanish. And so mm. there's like, oh shit, like I can't. I gotta change. I can't like continue my Spanglish with these people, even though like I think they. Is, is Spanglish a blend of English and Spanish, mm-hmm. like in yeah, common yeah, yeah. talk? Okay. And it's just like it's 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 like at least from from my own personal experience, like my first language is Spanish, right? And then 
uh, due to my parents. You right. know, my, my parents, are, you know, came came to this country not too long ago. Um, but uh, and so be, because of that and then like growing up with other, you know, first generations, like, you know, there's a lot of things that I remember, especially when I was younger, they're like, I knew how to say them in Spanish, but I didn't know how to say them in English. Or I knew how to say them in English, but I know how to say them in Spanish. And so you kind of just mix you and match. You poor thing. You poor bilingual thing. Oh. <laughs> no, well, at, at some points, like, and, and that's that's kind of where I, like, uh, wanted to take it about, like, um, you know, like, schooling, right? And so it's, like, for, for, for me, in comparison what? to a lot of the people who I grew up with, like, I don't really have an accent. Like people, people will be like, "Oh, I know you're from Chicago because of like the way you sound." And I'm like, "I don't, I don't get it. I, like, I don't, I don't hear you don't it. Hear it right? I don't hear." But for example, a lot of people who I grew up with, like, you can tell they're not from here, right? And and I and like I've 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 been more mindful over these last few years, um, how that's viewed, whether that's on my own personal lens or through someone else. You know, like me introducing a friend to somebody else and then them hearing them speak in a certain way. You know, sometimes there's that kind of like that pushback or yeah. you know they're they're surprised or you know what have you um but c- kind of coming back and finishing up with with that it's like so like immediately i see colin and he's like oh yeah no that like i'm calling whatever so in my head i'm i'm expecting to talk with a white dude and now he's this black guy so in my brain i'm like all right bet and so i i kind of get to my more like what i'm more normally like but i can't you know it's still like Mm. It's still like finding out like how to how to how to properly communicate something with somebody. Yeah. And beforehand right? coming, you like you probably weren't thinking about this. You, you were like you were gonna shift, you know, your demeanor or something. Yeah, language you know. Or and, 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 yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I'm, 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 I'm telling you about how I think you were feeling up to this moment. <laughs> so interrupt me, please. Uh, but probably subconsciously, you're like, all right, I'm gonna like. I need, I really need this spot. I'm getting kicked out. Like you know, like he sounds like a good dude. He's on his shit. You know what I'm saying? So like in my brain, I'm 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 already making Colin to be this person that he's not. It's white dude. Uh, yeah. You know that had um, blue eyes or brown eyes. You have brown eyes. That blonde hair. Yeah. No, but it's like it's it's a real thing. So it's like you I, I, I kind of wanted to ask you a little bit, Colin. Like so you mentioned you know middle class and you 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 said I've always kind of talked like this. Um, have, have you ever had like any specific experience or like, like what, what has been your sort of relationship with, with, with things like code switching? You feel? Yeah. I mean, I think growing up, when I say growing up, I mean like, you know, where did you grow up? I, I grew up 10 to 18 in Columbia, Missouri. Um, small town, middle Missouri. Oh, you it's, grew up. It's where the University of Missouri is. All right, all right, all right. So people think it's like people from Chicago are like, oh, you're like boonies. Like, no, it's like a, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a college. It's not no Chicago. It's a college town. It's like 130,000 people. It's growing every day. Um, so it's right. It's right between uh, Kansas City and St. Louis. Um, mm-hmm. a really good town to grow up in, I think. Um, Blessed. And I don't know the stats. Like, you know, not a whole lot of black folks. But growing up, it's like I had black friends, white friends, people from all social classes, which is really interesting as well. And so I had a lot of different type of friends that interact with a lot of different types of people. Damn, um, Columbia, Missouri. And so in those experiences, getting friends and stuff, uh, as I got older, especially, you know, folks talked very differently across the board. I interacted with people who talked very differently in, a, in just a day. Right. And so uh, being fortunate to have parents who uh, could raise me right and have, you know, means to, I don't have to struggle at, at all financially, especially um, growing up and everything. That lends a, a certain amount of privilege. And I was very aware of that. I was aware of that when I was younger, I think. But I think as I got older, I was like more aware mm. as it went along. But also, like, I had friends who, you know, were on uh, 
assistance as they needed to and didn't have, you know, friends in the home. And I had friends who were, who were rich as who were rich as fuck too. So it's yeah. like yeah. and we all traversed the same space, which was interesting. But that's a valuable ass Yeah, so it's really kinda cool. And then as I got older and was like getting into more like black power movements and reading like Malcolm and, you know, getting into all this my like my black radical shit too. I was still with friends with everybody and like it was interesting having a better analysis on all that stuff and also like seeing mm-hmm. my like rich white friends talk about like Medicare, like it was bad, but they were like the ones getting handouts from the parents, and I was, it, was, it, was, it was weird. Damn. Uh, but Damn, I had an original question, deep. David. <laughs> but um, I, I think in that the part that sticks out to me the most, I mean, language was always always a thing, and I was so like, oh, you talk white or whatever, like, oh, I didn't like, I didn't know you were friends with the other black folks because you talk a certain oh. way, so they assume I'm a certain way, um, which is like, you know, you deal with that as, as a kid, or whatever. That was really interesting. But the, one of the things that was really interesting to me, and this speaks to my parents, is just awesomeness. But in seventh grade, I started like, buying my own clothes, buying like Echo and like like hip hop esquare of the time, right? <laughs> mm, Fat Farm. Yeah, yeah. I was Fat Farm. I some, some white ass Fat Farms. Oh, they were, we they were all had, lovely. I mean, you, you had some, I had two pairs. I remember they yeah. were like, Ooh. keep mm. them clean. I cleaned them did my every best. Night. Did my best. That's when everyone was like, "Oh, my step on your shoes." I'm like, oh, and you, your case, your blood pressure would rise oh. when I on your shoe. <laughs> and and like that's, that speaks to it too. It's like I wasn't like. There's been stories of people like being killed for like jays. You know what I mean? And I didn't grow up in that environment. Yeah. But I still yeah. would like fight somebody something on my shoe. <laughs> anyway, getting finding the point. I remember a time where I came home from the mall with some friends, and I had like some uh, like. Tan brownish sweatpants that matched my Tim's, and I had like a shirt that matched with it. It was fucking clean. Um, well, I like showed my parents or something, they saw it, and at that point, it was like mid seventh grade. And like, all my teachers knew me, they knew I got good grades, they knew who I was as a student, they knew my, who my parents kind of were, they like knew, you know, I was about, you know, everything. Not all my, not all my friends were, most of them were, not all my friends were, but um, so I came home with this outfit, and I don't know what they said initially. My parents were very much like, hey, like, you know, yeah, we believe in you. We love you. Do what you want to do. But just know that, like, you wearing this in school, like, you're going to have to, like, remind, they didn't say these words exactly, but remind these white folks who teach you every day that you're still that same bright wow. Colin from, from, from yesterday. Oh, that's now, crazy. Because now you're wearing clothes that are, like, quote, unquote, more black, more ghetto, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and they know the pro- the, the problematicization with the, with the categorizing as that. Yeah. Um, but it's it's true, right? And so it's like you you doing this like you know they were going like you can do what you want, wear what you want, be you. However, just know yeah. in order to survive, you may need you need to remind these folks that you're still going to get straight A's, you're still going to be this person, and what you're wearing is going to be an indicator of your language and everything else. And I always think back to that when we have these kind of conversations like this. Um, and I think, and it was super important. And again, telling of how awesome my parents they are, um, they say, "Don't wear this because you're going to be viewed this way." Like, no, do do you? But just mm-hmm. just just know you're going to have to fight a little bit harder every day in school. Just remind them. Um, that always kind of sticks with me. We had these conversations, and um, kind of fast forwarding to the Shady Nay event and like this conversation now is that I feel like again, I always I've always kind of talked like this, and it's it's changing. Uh, there's slang mixed in, there's big words mixed in as I've got educated and having yeah. folks, whatever. But I pretty much talk at a certain level pace. Like, I probably code switch less now than I ever have before. Mm. Um, and I'll be in white spaces, I'll be in professional spaces, and I'll be like, bet, or toss the bag, or whatever, whatever. I'll, I'll say those things, right? 
And I won't explain it mm-hmm. until they ask because like they also need to know what that means because my you know my language is valid and you know all, these are all just like words you assign meaning to them, uh, but it's a fact that the powers that be, people with privilege in general, assign what's appropriate, assign now, what's proper. There you go. It's funny that you said it, like because I feel like I feel like yeah you know. Okay, so when I'm talking to my coworkers and my coworkers, I have white coworkers. And really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have some white coworkers and they've given me the sense um, that they're really comfortable and cool and, you know, uh, really down to earth. I'm so, down. Right. <laughs> I mean, for lack of a better term. Mr. Um, Crowns. So <laughs> when we're talking, I might do that. You know, I might include something like that. You know what I'm saying? I, I might talk a lot uh, more lax, but. I still feel like there's a lot more arenas that I can't do that in. And mm-hmm. and to hear you be able to say, like, you know, now I get to include this. Like, I'm, I'm not, I don't, I still don't feel like I'm in a position where if it's people that don't know me yet or in the first encounters mm-hmm. and something like that, where I could be in a meeting, like, bet, let's get the bet. <laughs> <laughs> because. I coming from me like how how uh, Spanish was your first mm-hmm. language, mm-hmm. and so you have to learn English or learn how to incorporate it properly. For me, is like Ebonics is like, was like my first <laughs> language, so <laughs> it's like now I'm working to learn how to right. you know not uh, have that be my first. Um, innate response yeah. uh, uh, of way of talking you know and so for mm-hmm. me it's like I hear you but I'm still feeling and like I can't I can't you yeah, know and I get that but well, for two things one like the, your professional life is teaching in a school and obviously maybe different than traditional model is still teaching in a school yeah my professional life is teaching in fitness classes and like running soapbox soapbox yeah. like I started so I can like very much kind of like do whatever the fuck we want. Yes, yeah. essentially, right? That's yeah. why we're broke. No. Uh, <laughs> yes and no. But uh, yeah, so it's like that, that's one thing that I, I have a, that you're going. You have to like, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. kind of play the game, you know? Uh, second thing is like like your first language was Ebonic, his first language was Spanish. My first language was the clo- King's closer to the King's English <laughs> than yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a fact. Um, I, sure. I, I, I like learned slang on the way and was like unnatural to me, but like. <laughs> I, I very organically picked up words and syntax and things, and like through my extended family stuff as well, and my family, like my immediate family too, that's different from like what, what my first language was compared to y'all. So like, I approach in that way that like I'll, I'll retreat back to however I norm, normally talk, um, and I'll find myself talking differently around folks, not just like more quote unquote appropriate around like white folks are in a professional environment, but also folks like low income black folks that I like to talk to on a regular basis. And it's not conscious, but I'll find myself talking differently. It's yeah. still me, but I'll play up a certain part of it. And I'll be like, why am I fucking doing that? <laughs> right? yeah. Again, it's always still you, but it's just Damn. a little different. So it's just it's 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 fascinating how how and why and when we do that. But I do think, like I said, part of you know, if if we're on a spectrum, if we're on like a a graph, so to speak, and zero is like true you. When I was younger, it was, you know, it it I move my hand up and down like fluctuating a lot more. And so now it's fluctuating a, a lot less. And part of that's just because I think growing older, just being an adult, you have more confidence to be you. Um, but also, I think 
through the people I've met and the experience I've had the past, really just even two years especially, it's like I so much more see the validity in folks of all spaces knowing everyone else's experience and being able to validate those experiences in ways that they get to a point of equity and healing just in language and everyday experience that I think is important. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to get too far away from the point, but this is from, I forgot what episode it was, with, about black history and resistance in Chicago with Kofi Adamola. Episode 13. Hey, look nice. at him. He's a B&B historian over here. No, I mean... He's like, no, I run the podcast. <laughs> um, Kofi Anamola said this. Kofi Anamola is an activist, uh, organizer of Black Lives Matter Chicago. He's amazing. But we're talking about Fred Hampton. Uh, mm. Rest in power, Fred Hampton. This couple weeks ago was his anniversary of his death by CPD and FBI. But um, Kofi said, it boils down to that communication. Anytime I'm working with young people, you know, I value their language. I'm like, don't change how you're talking. I want you to understand these new words if I'm if I'm bringing in a, a lexicon of social justice vocabulary. Yeah. But at the same time, though, I want you to speak how you speak. I don't want right. you to change, you know, because then, you know, I mean, that's what Fred Hampton was so good at. You yeah. know what I mean? Like Fred Hampton was a orator. You know, he's yeah. an excellent communicator because he can he can speak to you in the streets. Same thing with Jeff Ford he's, and all yeah. of them. They can speak to you in the streets. They can speak to you in other ways, too. Um, and we got to teach our young people to value their culture, their language, and just really unpack the issues. And that's what I love with what you all are doing with Shy DNA, um, because it's bridging that gap that I, you know, I think needs to happen. We need to have these cross conversations on how does the streets impact the music and how the music impacts the street, and right. what's the responsibility around that, and what can we do to to get through the people, you know, without putting his value judgment on. I think that was amazing, that last part he said, as far as like when uh, you're in a certain space where there's a, you know, a normal way of talking in that space, no matter what it is, and someone speaks differently in that space, I think everyone kind of has a value judgment on it, whether that's you bring them up or you bring them down in some capacity. And so how do you wrestle with that, depending on what that example is? Yeah, um, so I really like that point because um, one thing that... <clears throat> I do a lot and I put in my music is I'm trying to find this because I literally just was like writing it over here. And um and um so one thing that I've seen that's important in my music is I like to um I like to um We like to speak party. about speak right. profoundly about how I am able to code switch. And I don't say it directly like that, mm. but and I'm mad you just pour me some more because uh, that this Thirsty. this is really strong. Uh, um, I had just put in a rap on the way over. I was writing on the way over, here, and I was basically saying like, "Who am I to you? That's a black on black, but that means lesser now, and that's a bigger fact. Politic with dope dealers and the diplomats, and so it's like exclusive. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like bars. Be, yeah, like being able to politic with the dope dealers and the diplomats. Like for me, it's like. Music is really important, and being able to stay true to yourself, um, to know that that's a way that you get through to the, your people. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It's like so important in rap, and I like to really bring that up in discussion to say like I can talk to 
uh, the pimp and my pastor. I can talk to the dope dealer and the diplomat. I can talk to, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the president or, you know what I'm saying, the penny pincher on the block. And and I feel like that's important to be able to connect to, you know. Mm. So, yeah. I do it in my music as well. Yeah. See, that's a, and that's a privilege that you got that we don't. You feel? So it's like, you find that space. But I mean, uh, like. Is, is, that, is that privilege? Or is it, I mean, that's like his, his chosen career and path that he's like doing. He doesn't, wasn't born with it. You know what I mean? You know, you're right. You're right. I, I, I misspoke. My apologies. I'm, I'm not bur- I'm, I'm asking be, you. The bourbon be, seep, like, be sipping a little. Seeping. seeping. You sip the bourbon. The bourbon I said the bourbon you. is seeping. Seeping oh, Stephen, it's okay. See, we, all, we all here. No, but um, <laughs> uh, I mean, while we still, you know, depending on on where we're at or how we're doing our shit, it's like we have to understand though that there's a reason why like code switching is a thing though. Like, yeah. you know, we have the opportunity to, you know, hear our soapbox, like really be able to to be ourselves. And something that I really like have picked up on calling over the last few years is like being unapologetic. You know, like really be whatever it is that you want to be. However, we have to understand that that's not always the case for everybody. You feel mm-hmm. what I'm saying? That there's certain places out here that that you can't. You know, like yeah. I, a good example is I've I've been doing fine dining for a minute, right? And I can't. I don't know how you do it? I can't. I the, I've had problems, uh, or people have had problems with the way in which I approach a, a guest. Or whatever, and uh, I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been accused of uh, saying things that that I wouldn't have said to a guest. One because like I'm like I've you know you're out here trying to have a wonderful night. Like I'm not gonna be disrespectful, right? That's not my, it's not my job. But like you know, one of uh, someone in my past was like, "Yo, yeah, uh, we hear you talk to your guests. You call them dogs." I'm like. What? <laughs> like you're you're thinking that I'm coming out here and be like, oh, what's up, dog? Blah 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 blah. It's like, first of all, clearly you ain't seeing me do my work, right? right? Clearly you ain't watching it. Now, whether or not sometimes I will, you know, feel a little bit more comfortable, someone be like, hey, fam, how's everybody doing? Blah blah blah. You know, like I'm so, not your family. Yeah, you know, certain <laughs> things. I actually had one dude. I was like, oh, my friend, I'm so sorry. He's like, I'm not your fucking friend. And I'm like, Whoa. I'm like, I keep on his ass. I mean, no, I just like took it. I took the plate away. I'm like, all right, we gonna fix this real quick, okay? My apologies. Uh, but then, you know, immediately in my brain, I have to be like, yo, um, <clears throat> you know, I- I'm so sorry, sir. That's not, we're not my intentions. You know, I do apologize about the delay in the kitchen. Uh, please just give me one more moment to make this better for us. Thank you. Oh man, you feel what I'm saying? Oh my god. Oh man, well, we had. Well, mean, but but it's part. Of, it's, 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 it's that's what I'm trying to get at. It's like, and I think there's there's a lot of these spaces, you know, where, uh, you know. People aren't as blessed as we are. You know, you have the opportunity to be doing what you're doing uh, in, in both your craft and in your professional level where, you know, you have that. Colin, Colin and I have, have soapbox where we're able to, to, to really, you know, use it as our outlet for X, Y, and Z. But then there's yeah. a lot of spaces where, where you can't. You know what I'm saying? I think a really, a really, good, uh, really good example was, um, you know, when we look at media and we look at, like, how people are pushing shit out, right? There's a reality to the fact that that's not, that's not always the case for everybody, you know, and as we know, you know, art, hey, our art speaks for uh, art speaks for the environment, art speaks for the culture, right? And so we have a lot of content out, you know, SNL skits, uh, one of the most recent um, films with our boy Lakeith Stanfield, Sorry to Bother You, which in order to be successful, he needs to, uh, quote unquote, use his white voice. And something yeah. that I thought was really interesting about about <laughs> about that term, right, because uh, uh, Danny Glover uh, also in that film is you know sitting next to 
next to our boy Stanfield. Oh, Danny Glover's in the movie. Danny Glover. Yeah, yeah well, it's I funny. I didn't know that. Yeah, no, he's like literally chilling next to him or whatever. And he's like, see this, you ain't doing it right. You you gotta you gotta use oh, your white man. voice. He's like, and and he's like, he's like, what well, what do you mean? Like, I, I I sound like this, blah blah. He's like, no no no. Like, you gotta sound like you got your bills paid. You gotta sound like you don't have a problem in the world. You gotta you gotta talk as if you've never been fired. But you get what I'm saying? Like, it, it's yeah. so, that's also like a very interesting interesting you know just just to think about. It's like you know, white voice isn't necessarily just like the rhetoric that you're using, but it's also like the manner in which you're using that mm. rhetoric, mm. right? And so it's like in in the film also like it's it's very um uh, what f- fantastical is that the proper word I'm looking for because it's like it's it's like yeah, he, it's he, he's talking but it's uh it's uh this other act uh, one of the it's a white actor who like like talks for him when he's using his mm. white voice right. which I thought was fucking hilarious yeah um and it, it's not just him and like there's other people in this area that in order for him to be successful in order for him to make money and get out of the shithole that he's in mm. take care of his family you know get a better life from him and his partner it's like he needs to do these things in order to to succeed and it's like that's a reality of the fact for a lot of people um which is kind of shitty but you know i don't know we weren't a very go ahead yeah no i i think i that moment i mean I have problems with that film, I, and I want to like <laughs> yeah. it so much more than than I did. However, that moment with them is super is great because uh, one of the things that Lakeith says is like, "Oh, if people say I already have like a white voice. People yeah, say I already yeah. talk like you know like white or proper, whatever that means." Um, which is like very true in the way he talks about it and how that's socialized. Uh, but w- when you see him talk to um, potential clients on the phone before he develops his white voice. You can tell he's kind of unconfident, and he's kind of like, "Hey, uh, Rush, like, uh, like, can you, uh, can you hold on?" Sorry to bother you. Yeah, yeah, he's very like, kind of not, not with it. Um, so with the white voice, like, like David said, and like what Danny Glover said in the film, he's very much like, "Hey, like, you're, you're chilling. You don't need this money. You're just doing it for, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know." And I like what he said about he's like, "You didn't, you, you haven't been fired, maybe laid off," which still has like bit of it's attached to it you get a severance package and it's mm. like you know it's like shitty because you, you you lose a job in a sense but it's not fired it's yeah off. and it's like that's one thing that uh when you bring class into it too it's like and everyone of all races get get fired right but it's like if you're in that echelon or you're in some kind of like corporate job or something you might get laid off and not not necessarily fired but if you're working really hard every day and save a lot or something I don't know and you get you get, you get fired and like you're, that's your job you're done so yeah. it's like the class that they kind of bring into is interesting and it gets more to that and the movie continues um, but that moment with them is super interesting about like it's not just like how you talk and you know how you sound like this but it's like <laughs> the, the the feeling and the and what your thoughts are and your confidence mm-hmm. behind that and the, the the lack of trauma that you hear in the voice uh, when you're talking is the, the more of like the, what the white voice lo- mm-hmm. looks like. Um, best moment in the film, everything else. Ah, that's the end podcast. Well, I mean, I, <laughs> one of the other parts that I did want to like, you know, just touch on is, is something that I thought was really interesting is so when, you know, I'm, I, we're, we're hoping not to ruin it. If, if, if you guys uh, have not seen it and feel uncomfortable with me giving you more detail, then stop this podcast, turn on the movie and then come back to it. Um, but uh, it's when his boss tells him to take off the white voice. So he's climbed the ranks. He's been killing it, slaying, making guap. He's been doing things he doesn't want to be doing, yada, yada. But he's still he's still doing it because he's making money. So he's at a party. He's with his boss, boss, chief dude, white dude, of course. 
uh, and he's like, yo, no, no, like, t- like, take, 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 take it off. Like, stop. Don't use that white voice. And so then he starts, you know, uh, Stanfield starts talking and he's like, oh, I want you to rap. He's like, oh, I, I'm a, I love listening to rap, but I, I can't rap. No, you could rap. You could rap, rap for us. And he like makes him, puts him up like to try to rap. And the way he goes about it is he's like trying, he's clearly like burning. He's dying. He can't do it. But he just goes, he just starts like, nigga shit, nigga shit, nigga, nigga, nigga shit. And the crowd, which is predominantly all white people, is like responding to it. And then everyone gets super hype. Everyone's in it. And that's all he's saying the whole time. (laughs) And everyone's fucking with it in his voice. And so that's something that I thought was also really interesting. But it's also like, so we're talking about code switching, right? And things like that. It's also, but there's like this sort of um, glorification. I don't know if that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. It's, but it's, it's also like, yeah, go ahead. Well, I think like how Dan Glover describes it, the white voice and it originally is that it's not, you know, talking proper, appropriate, whatever. It's not, it's not that it, it's the white voice that white people like wish they. Yeah. yeah. Like, Talk or, how they, they wish they would sound like. Mm. Right. Yeah. And I think it's this kind of similar thing with this, with this commodification, othering and uh, kind of minstrelsy of like, of like the Negro. Right. Yeah. Mm. And looking at like, you know, you don't have to be like you're all, you're you're black all the time. Like I can't turn it on and off. I can't like right. push the melanin up and down. However, it's like like for that instance, it's like perform the black they they want to see. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I noted I, I watched it, I watched the episode earlier today or the movie earlier today. I made some notes, and that was one of the notes too. Um, of our, as far as another scene that's really good is that because the whole the whole movie and like contextually. How the movie set up, it's granted that it's kind of heavy-handed, but I think it's heavy-handed in other ways that's makes problematic. Anyway, <laughs> that scene is great though because it's kind of a heavy-handed scene. He's like, "Hey, rap like rap for us, like you, you is like it's your one boss, of the only right, yeah, it's yeah. Your, yeah, yeah, that's right. It's it's your boss telling you to perform, but your boss is white. You're in a white space and he's telling you like to rap, perform this like coded like but black thing, right? Oh my goodness, that's when I would not want. That's when I would be like, no, right? And I was like, don't do it, don't do it. And he did. But it's like that happens, not that exactly. No, of course, but that like, happens in basically all the time. Uh, our first like trial podcast, we transcode and put on so- <laughs> Soapbox Editorial. Um, so, a- editorial. Editorial.soapboxpo.com. Check it out. Plug. Plug. Um, it's like episode point five. Yeah, we're, we're, Dave and I were talking about Tommy Lauren on Trevor Noah Daily Show. Point being, um, I bring up an example of years ago because I was some friends. They, yeah, they all were right. Um, <laughs> And so someone I didn't know, and so we were talking. He was going to everyone in the group saying, "Like, hey, like, what's your like, what's your dance move? Like, do your like your signature dance move, right?" <laughs> and he's going to everyone in the group. He and he, there was no malicious thought in his being. I I, I believe that. A dick. But he was asking everybody. He got to me. He's like, "Hey, do you like signature dance move?" And I was like, "Yeah, I don't dance for white people on command." <laughs> and I'm like, he laughed, whatever. <laughs> he said that. Yeah, bro. and he laughed. For he's real, like, "Oh, for real. And he's like, "No, but like, for real." I'm like, "No, like, I'm, I'm being, I'm dead ass. <laughs> like, I'm just not gonna dance for you for you or whatever." And um, and he's like, oh, "I mean, like that." I'm like, I know, I, know, "I know you didn't. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's just, I'm just not gonna do that." Um, and I feel weird. You asking me? And it's like they might not feel weird because there's no, there's no like, uh, there's no collective history with you. And you asking each other about to dance for each other, but there's there's a lack of history with you asking me as a black man to, to literally to dance for you. I know you don't mean that as far as like your pain. Yeah, but history. I'm you know still I mean? not about but to do that, bro. Yeah. Later in that evening, um, <laughs> we're out like some like bar club, whatever. I'm like dancing, I'm having a good time, and uh, there's this other white dude, not in our group, different white dude. 
Uh, and he's like, hey, do the do the thing. He runs. He like he's motioning like a little like hip hop dance like thing, whatever. Oh, I, and I, on, and I know what he's doing. Like you say <laughs> he's doing it right. He did exactly what I did. Um, and I know what he's talking about. It's just, dude, I do not know. And I'm like, no, man. I'm like, like I'm not gonna literally dance for this person. I do not know. He's asking me particularly because he sees me. He, I hate he sees that, me bro. getting on the dance floor. To be honest, but I go to uh, my my friend, the guy I met. Let's call him Todd. I go to Todd and I'm like, hey, man, like. Just, you know, like, this just happened to me. And, like, this is kind of what I'm talking about when I'm saying I'm not going to answer white people on command. And he's like, oh, I didn't know. Like, really? He did that? I'm like, to you, it's shocking. I know. I get it. I oh, get it. Oh, my God. To me, it's like, oh, this like this is just kind of what happens. This is, like, part of just, like, being a black in America. Like, yeah. this, is, this is part of it, right? And I'm like, this is, like, kind of part of the conversation I was talking about when I mentioned that to you. Like, I didn't mean anything by it. Like, and no, no. But, it, like, this shit that happens all the time. Um, yeah, I'm not dancing for you, bro. I'm not dancing for you. I'll dance for myself, and you might happen to see it. Right. And yeah, pick up some, hopefully. Well, I mean, how is it also, like, I mean, we, we've been out in spaces where, like, you and me start, like. Destroying rugs. It's like, get it, like, start getting turned. And how many times is it that other people, they see us, and they, like, they'll join us, or they'll, like, yep. they'll gravitate to our energy, or just because they see us as, you know, it's whatever so, they want to see. Yo, it's something to be said about the underlining uh, desire that when you see a predominantly, so say there's black and white people in the same club or bar, and then there's a group of black people all dancing, and then you have that one white guy that comes along, and then you want to, ah, and he feels like he's now validated he's emboldened. because he's been accepted into the, the, the black group of guys dancing over here, and they, and instead of us like me mugging them, we like, Oh, he turned up, and yeah. now he like, yeah, yeah I'm having the time of my life. Call it hype to everybody. Like, Call it hype to everybody. That's, that's an amazing thing because I always feel weird about that. Because like, we'll be out, like you said, we'll be out uh. turning up and have a good time, whatever. And like, again, let's call him Todd. Yeah, <laughs> Todd up with us, and like, most of me, honestly, is probably like, hey, it's like, like it's it's for me just being like having an ego. It's like, oh, it's validation. <laughs> like I'm doing something cool. <laughs> Someone else wants to do something cool too, so like I feel like yeah, I feel yeah, myself. Fuck with mm-hmm. it. But like I'm always I'm always in my head about everything, and so it's yeah. like okay, like this white dude sees us turn up, and like we like we know where the beat drops. We like have rhythms, like we're like doing it right, and he wants to be part of it. And it's like cool, that that's cool, but also like he's trying to be part of this. Thing that this, black, this black and brown space is like not his, and like we don't know him too. It's like, first of all, I don't know you. So, yeah. Like, um, what's the most, the best feeling in the world is when you're black and brown in a mixed space and or predominantly white space, and there's other black and brown folks there too. Y'all give each other, you give each other the same look of like, like, whoa, what are we doing? How are we, how are we gonna do this? And everyone's just turning together and y'all bring together. Yeah, that so, just feels mm. magnificent. So, um, my uh, my fiance, um, my fiance, one of her coworkers, uh, last summer or the, the summer before last, um, they were at a wedding. They they invited us to their wedding in um like Michigan somewhere, right? Oof. And um, we me and her were the only black people there, bro. Like mm. it was all white people and just me and my fiance, right? And so she's like. Super comfortable because again, well, she, I ain't even going. I'm not gonna do it like that. She was more comfortable <laughs> than me because of her background, right? Sure. And so I'm here like, ah, oh, damn, so much of white people everywhere. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But then 
just like uh, I hate to say this because I don't want to say just like <laughs> typical black person. <laughs> we now we got some drinks and us at the reception and everything like that, and um, you know the DJ like. Uh, some white dude Like he really started Like Playing some nice joints Or whatever You know what I'm saying And so like A part of me was like uh, it. it was don't like it. Yes A part of me was like Don't do it Don't do it Don't do it Don't do it But then another part of me was like You know what I'm not gonna let me overthinking that if I start dancing, it's gonna be a spectacle to hold me back from yes. enjoying myself. Yes. So when the beat drop, whatever, you know, I'm dancing, that thing I know, you know, I'm doing my thing and everything. And then what do I know? All the white people start getting turned. They just like, yeah, he's dancing. He's dancing. Look at him go. He's dancing. That's, that's, things I like that. You really like more observing. Yeah, no, they started joining okay. me. Like at first they was observing, but then before I knew it, like it was like this weird thing of like a circle and like all the white people was in the circle. We was all in the circle and like we was getting in the circle and then dancing and then hopping up the circle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah so <laughs> it ended up being like cool, but. At first, I was hella like thinking about it, like I don't want to be the black guy going crazy. He hitting all the moves, and they just like, right. dang, look at him! I knew he could dance. Right? Like, you I know knew what I'm it. Saying? I knew it. It's like I, I know you could rap. There's, you know, there's it's a the book, same exactly oh. the same kind of concept. There's a book called How to Rent a Negro. Uh, how to what? How to rent a Negro. Okay. I've heard. Talk about these experiences, and it's like you, know, you, you can still do it. So invoice some folks. Like get paid for this shit. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's not. It's, it's, it's funny. It's good. It's like it's yeah. it's all right. Um, but uh, that's one thing. I, the second, the second you, I want to tease out. I had made a note of it earlier. Is like when I was younger, I had this thought more so than now. But when I kind of became like politicized, whatever you want to call it, um, and like knowing of the stereotypes, I often thought were attributed to like black men. Is like, oh, I know if I do this, I'll be seen a certain way by like white America, or by mm. like you know folks around me, and I want to like subvert that in any way I can. It's very much like always. Like, how do I subvert the stereotype? How do I like? You know, get good grades and achieve and subvert, like, so you think I'm going to be bad. How do I subvert all these, like, negative things? You think I mean? Or things that are neutral, like dancing good or, like, having fun or, like, yeah. being loud in a public space. Um, so that was that was the thing I was really thinking about a lot. Um, and that changed over over a longer time than I, than I care to admit. But it was very much now more towards the second part of what, like, the two years you mentioned that situation. It got more to the second part. It's like, no, like, the onus isn't on me to not play up a stereotype. The onus is on you to not think that in the first place. Mm, yeah. Right? And so mm-hmm. it's like, if I have your song I like and I want to dance to it, like, I don't want to be in my head about, like, oh, if I dance, like, they think I'm going to dance like this rap song that, you know, is problematic. And so they'll think certain way about all black people and I don't want to appease that like no fuck that like you're wrong for thinking that in the first place so me being all this mental energy thinking about that and how to like subvert what you're thinking like it's just, that's just too much that's not that's not my problem that's not my problem and second and I think there's 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 it's not, it's not like black and white but yeah, I've gotten like more towards like no like fuck that that's your problem we can have a conversation about that how, how we need to help you but the onus is not on the oppressed to help you get to a better place yeah and it's like uh, there's really not a thin line. It's a thin line with that because, you know, you're constantly like, let me not be, I don't want to fall to the stereotype or be typical, but at the same time, mm-hmm. if I generally like these things or something, then I need to be comfortable with that and <clears throat> not feel like I have to change who I am. Um, that's very interesting because um, 
I was reading about um, Dr. Uh, King's time in uh, seminary school in mm. Boston. Mm. And uh, this is before he's the leader we know him as. And so he's at a predominantly white college. And it just goes to speak about like how he went out of his way to make sure that he did not adhere to any stereotypes of black people, mm-hmm. almost to an extremely uncomfortable degree to like, you know, he would make sure he was extremely early to everything. <laughs> he No, seriously, though, he would not eat chicken. Like, he would not do, like, he wouldn't do anything like things that, like, even if he liked them, even if he knew that mm. he, you know what I'm saying? Like, he went out of his way to not do anything, and it was like... Yo, you should never have to, it shouldn't be like that. You know what I'm saying? At some point, like, people just shouldn't be racist or shouldn't expect certain things from you. And, you know, so, yeah, like, uh, having, yeah, it's crazy. And that's real. And, that, and that's like, and like I said, like, what I said was kind of like black and white, but just there's certain time, times and places and situations, like, for him, it's like, where, like, you very much got to play that game <laughs> mm. to get this education that's going to be give you the resources and power and skills to do the yeah. thing that he did um and you know that's obviously a different time than it is now definitely unapologetically black is is in the main thing <laughs> yeah. whether how i feel about that they know that as a thing and like it's we're, we're, we're in a different moment now than we were then um and respectability politics were a much bigger thing with that movement movements of yesteryear than they are today and again that's a different that's a different podcast too but i think mm. that speaks a little bit too like intergenerationally as far as how he and not just him but just the movements of that day um less the black power movement than the civil rights movement but more so had to you know wear suits and stuff and go in these these spaces and, mm-hmm. and exercise their yeah their rhetoric and their analysis to get certain things changed and had to be respectable and that it was something that was very important. And I think part of that was because of the movements of those those days as well were very much tied to the black church, which was a radical organization. Yeah. Slew of organizations then than they were than they are now, unfortunately, but that was an important thing. Uh whereas now respectability is we like know that to be like icky and kind of shitty and like yeah. kind of harmful in, in ways that are very real to black and brown bodies. And you recognize that and we kind of are subverting that in a way that's unapologetic and still has the the same analysis and same uh, organizing practices than they did of yesteryear and learning from yesteryear, of course. Um, but it looks different. It feels different. And I think it's for the better um, in, in, in most instances. So that's something interesting I, I think about as far as generationally how movements look because we're always fighting the same shit. Like, the prison nation was a problem then. It is now, too. <laughs> right? right? Um but uh, it's in a different way. Like, we're saying fuck 12, and that's that's not just saying, like, oh, I'm like, please, because this happened, and whatever. It's like, no, oh, it's like tied to, like, years of what we know of, years of history of, like, CBD, and years of history yeah. of systemic oppression. All these, yeah, yeah, all these things. Like, it's not just, like, saying it because we're angry. It's like, no, it's like, we're angry because of Or we're saying because it's cool. That's also, like, another thing. Like, cool. That's, going that's to another that. way to say yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah saying because it's cool. or saying because, like, it's sexy. Like, no, it's yeah. like, this is part of a harmful institution. Mm-hmm. It's built to be harmful for, for black folks. Um, I mean, it's crazy because, like, it's like I've been in places where, you know, going back to spaces that aren't necessarily my own, you know, where they're like, oh, yeah, I saw you put this post up. It's like, fuck, also, you just hate all cops. It's like, well, no, like, we can, we, we need to talk to you. But, like, it, it, it's so, to me, sometimes it's upsetting, you know? It's like, like that I got to sit down with a grown-ass man and explain to him, it's like, it's like what 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 I mean by saying fuck twelve. You know what I'm saying? It's like 
It's like, or 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 have to defend myself and being like, oh, you just you just hate cops. It's like, no, motherfucker, I don't hate cops. Yeah. Cops, cops as individuals aren't the problem. We, we we're looking at it as a system. That's where we're saying fuck. But it's like, it's that. It's like, oh, it's like, oh, you're just doing it because it's cool or blah 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 blah. Code switching. Twenty eighteen. I, I, I think there's a lot of that too. Folks doing yeah. and saying the same things or posting like activist level things that are like because it's cool. So it's mm-hmm. like there's a lot of that as well. Uh, yeah. But it's like, how do you? Take that and shape that and have these nuanced conversations. But my thing with all, always with the nuanced conversations is like, I, like I want you to understand, but also like, I don't go fuck. No, no, it's just like it's like because I think I think the masses understanding matters and the masses understanding policy that gets put, put in place, things that happen uh, that are, they're going to remember ten years from now are going to shift the conversation and shift like what can actually happen to to alleviate harm, not yeah, you know. But it's like. Again, so it's like I got I gotta go to work tomorrow. I gotta go to sleep. I can't like <laughs> yeah. have this conversation will take at least an hour to have you know talk you know. Yeah, and you're not gonna be and, at least if you're gonna listen too. Gonna, yeah, and like I'm, I'm really gonna listen to you as well. So yeah. like this takes time and energy and effort, and it, it all does. So yeah, where where does that come into play? But it can start with like this. saying toss the bag <laughs> and not saying anything after that. Like what does that mean? Oh, it means like uh, like to, to to obtain financial gain. You know, <laughs> like that's okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I just no facts. Yeah. That is a great way to start. <clears throat> and like moving forward as we're moving into the future of things and black culture and um, is being more widely accepted. You got to start somewhere, and I think that is a good way to start to just you know put those little sprinkles of uh, black dialect within common conversation. You know. And put the onus on them to uh, inquire more. Yeah. You know, we turn that into a platform. I agree. And that's the beauty of art. Yeah, that's how you do it. You do it in multiple ways. And music is a music. As we we all know here in this room, is is one of the leaders in that, right? And from from what you called as a bonics, I was remembering it's like so growing that's up, so like 80s. That's my, so my yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually remember watching. I remember, like, I I've been trying to find it on the internet for a minute now, but it was like, it's like how, to, like, like, um, it was like uh, decoding ebonics, and like it was supposed to be like one of those funny videos, and it was like, it's like, oh, it's like, yeah. it's like, bitch, come inside my car, it's like, let's make these towers rotate, and then like, <laughs> white person comes through, it's like, oh, I'm very attracted to you, can I please give you a ride to wherever you're going, or like, so, it's like yeah. that was what the video <laughs> I was trying to think about, and like, I don't, I don't know, it's like, it's. Clearly, that that video was made probably like fifteen years ago at this yeah. point. But it's like where probably exactly right. yeah, it's like where, it's like where we are now and where where are we choosing to take it? You feel what I'm saying? Because I also at this point it's like it's like even in even in what we would consider professional setting, it's like uh, you know having having you know I, to a certain degree is having the balls to be like yo, I'm not gonna conform to 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 what you feel as you know proper English. We we keep we kept using that word. It's like I. Because of X, Y, and Z, like me talking the way I'm talking doesn't make my English or my words mean any more or any less. And you know what? I think that as my career goes uh, further along in music, that's something that I always uh, need to um, really be cognizant of and be intentional about speaking on and bringing on because I see myself in the future as uh, doing college tours and performing, but the day before the show, I'm holding lectures and, you know, at these schools and talking about things that need to be talked about more than just having a good time and turning up on the stage, but, right. you know, going into these uh, lecture halls and talking about, you know what, 
we need to be more unapologetic with our language because, you know, I think that uh, the ultimate uh, manifestation of um, being proud of our special uh, dialect can be seen in the fact that bling bling is now in the dictionary. You know I what I'm saying? Like, every time I come yeah, out, yeah, you bling, remember bling. they were saying that? Like when, when Birdman and them yeah. were, um, can we get a fact check? <laughs> Let me not speak too uh, confidently. But no, I remember like in the early 2000s because uh, bling bling was come, becoming such a uh, prominent term. They were like, bling bling is in the dictionary now and things like, like, like that. Like Webster's Dictionary? Let's see. <laughs> I, 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 I could be wrong, but I, I want to be confident in that. Yeah, no, that's the thing I'm thinking about. It's like, it's in the dictionary now. And like before it got to the dictionary, folks were like, it became came to the mainstream. Right? Yeah, were, like I think I remember seeing a MTV like cartoon like ad thing one time where it, it had like some rapper being like playing nice. on stage and like kept going. It was like it's like a telephone that game, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was going to all this situation. People saying bling bling, and you know you can imagine what happened in between the last frame. Our little mini cartoon was this, like old white woman being like bling bling. She has like jewels from her like mm-hmm. her husband, so it was like bling bling like dead right. Uh, but like dead, but also like accepted by the mainstream, yeah, accepted yeah. by this. white people, uh-huh. and that it's okay now because now we're okay with it. Yeah, and now we got to use something else. How do I, I say we broadly? I say we being like any marginalized person, whatever, mm-hmm. like do a thing or say a thing, especially when it gets in pop culture sphere, and then how it's it's uh, I don't know, it's challenging something or it's or seen as like. Dirty or wrong or bad. Think about rock and roll in like the sixties. Think about like obviously rap in the eighties and stuff. But it's like then like oh it gets now it's global now it's mainstream now it's fun now we're having pitbull like he's a yep. soccer mom's favorite favorite rapper right? And it's like <laughs> and like that's fine. But it's like oh it's okay now because we're cool with it. It's like no it was okay then and you just need, need to learn. Um, that's something I always think about too as far as like when things are okay to be celebrated. It's like when they are okay to be celebrated then like. Let's 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 look at that a little a little deeper. Let's think about why and see how we can subvert that a little a little yeah. further or yeah. challenge that a little further because it's not okay that just mm. now that's in the mainstream it's okay to be mm. celebrated now. And like, but like all these things that we're doing, they're they're always conversations that you know we we could be sitting here talking about this shit for hours. Yeah, you for know, sure. but it's, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> I will we talk can to do it. Yeah, 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 no, but I I want to give a shout out to my boy Heavy for hanging out with us, man. Heavy, what can we expect from you for 2019? Um, you can expect a lot of new experiences, a lot of new places um being touched down in. One for um for sure will be Columbia, Missouri, um with hey. Camp True or False, which hey. will be an amazing, amazing film festival that I'll uh, be able to be a part of with um some young brothers uh from my school. Mm. And uh, I think it'll be an enriching um experience for me and those young men to be able to be in a place where we're watching all these uh enlightening super enlightening documentaries and interviewing different artists and mm. directors and things like that so um that's that's coming in 2019 um i want to speak into existence a whole lot more trips in 2019 um music trips um a lot of networks will be coming into fruition in 2019. A lot of things spoken in 2018 will be manifested in 2019. Hey, mm, um, you know, use that. Videos coming, more shows coming. Um, yeah, man. I'm going into 2019. Great. I have a show on the 15th uh, this weekend. Then another show with my uh, Trap Out Chicago family on the 21st. Um, so, yeah, man. 
2019 is going to look like a lot of work and uh, Bad. productivity. Well, Good we work. appreciate you coming out here, hanging out with us. I thank you all for having me. Oh, man. Bless. Uh, and so, uh, without further ado, as always, stay black, stay brown, stay queer. Stay tuned, stay turnt. See y'all next time. Oh, yeah. I came up with dangerous with gang bangers. Police got us sending out the sales. They exchange us. Uh, Curry, she exchange us. Used to cut that one dizzy. Use that on the red lizzy. I ain't even told Glizzy. For more information on episode guests, related media, and topics, check out the episode notes. Follow us on social media at SoapboxPO and or visit SoapboxPO.com slash podcast.